it's great to be here um, this morning. It's great to uh, have some, actually some people to speak to in the flesh rather than speaking into a camera, which has been uh, preaching a preacher's life in the lockdown. Uh, it's so nice to have some some faces who, it's just great to see who's falling asleep this morning, who's nodding off as I speak, uh, rather than looking into a camera lens and wondering. So I uh, hope, hope this blesses you this morning. Uh, guys, we uh, last week we launched a brand new preaching series. Chris did a fantastic job of, uh, of launching into that. Uh, and Chris gave us a great reminder, didn't he, about who the Holy Spirit is. He told us lots of truth about the Holy Spirit. He is the presence of God. He is living in us. He is a person who we can relate to. He is the helper. He's the one who works in us to convict us of our sin, to bring us back to God, to teach us how to live for God, to help us to know and get to know God better, to give us gifts for the benefit of others, uh, to seal us, to seal our adoption in Jesus as children of God, to intercede for us, to make us bear fruit. He's just this incredible person. Chris told us all these things last week. And there's just so much, isn't there, to try and understand about the Holy Spirit. It's almost a bit overwhelming. And what we really want to do in this series is to dig deeper, not simply just by talking about theology of who the Spirit is, but to actually look practically at the impact of the Holy Spirit on the lives of us as real people in the real world in the 21st century. And the actual series we're given this title, and you know that I love a good pun, but we're actually calling it, calling it God's power plant God's power plant now you might when you think of power plant you might think of that up when you head up the Mersey towards Runcorn you've got that big load of chimneys and cables and wires rock savage power plant that's not the kind of power plant we're talking about this morning we're talking about how God through the Holy Spirit plants his power in us in the hearts of all Christians Jesus said in Acts 1 verse 8 you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit is a literal power plant into us. It's his power, God's power and presence in us. We really want to explore in this series what that looks like day to day, how that shapes us, how that changes us, how that enables us as ordinary people to do extraordinary things for God and to be his witnesses to the ends of the earth. How in 21st century Liverpool do we respond to the fact that God has planted his Holy Spirit power into our hearts? And the Bible, thankfully, is full of people who God does that with, Old Testament and New Testament. In the Old Testament, we see God putting his Holy Spirit power into or onto people for specific moments in time. And then in the New Testament, from that amazing Pentecost moment onwards, we see the Holy Spirit power planted into all believers for all time. And so we're going to draw on the example of some of these characters, Old Testament and New Testament, and look at what a Holy Spirit power plant meant for them and then try and apply what it means for us. I hope you're going to enjoy this series. We're going to go all over scripture um, and it's going to be real, hopefully a real blessing for us. And today we're starting with Moses. Moses. Now Moses might not be the first person you think of when you think of a spirit-filled Bible character, but I think he's actually the perfect place to start. 
So with Moses, let's just very briefly set the scene of Moses. Moses, of course, lived uh, at a time, he was born in Egypt, um, and at a time where God's people, the Israelites, were enslaved and persecuted because they'd, uh, they'd lived in the land of Egypt for some time, and they'd grown to be a prosperous and wealthy people. And the Egyptians were worried, actually, these guys are getting too big for their boots. These guys could get so big for the boots that they could overthrow us and take our power from us. And so the Pharaoh at the time said, you know what, we've got to crush them, we've got to enslave them, we've got to punish them, persecute them so they don't get out of hand. And at the time that Moses was born, the Pharaoh had actually decreed that any male baby born to an, Egyptian, uh, to an Israelite family had to be killed. And so Moses, even surviving that, was unlikely. We know the story, don't we, of him being floated down the river. He was rescued and saved by none other than the Pharaoh's daughter. He was raised, actually, as a prince in Egypt, even though he was an Israelite. And then he grows up, and we see this defining moment where he witnesses one of his Israelite people being beaten by an Egyptian, and he has this heart response. This is not fair. This is not right. And he strikes out, and he kills the Egyptian. And he buries the body. He thinks and hopes he's got away with it, but he soon learns, no, he hasn't got away with it. He's been seen. And so, as we say in Liverpool, he legs it. He runs away 360 kilometers, to be, to be precise, to Midian, because he's worried that the Pharaoh is going to find out and kill him. So Moses was actually lucky to be alive, but he's now a murderer on the run. And yet, amazingly, he is God's chosen man, for a Holy Spirit power plant to lead a nation out of slavery and towards his promised land. In his sovereignty, God chooses Moses to plant his power into. And in Exodus 3, which if you've got your Bibles with you here and at home, you want to turn to Exodus 3, that's where we're going to focus in this morning. This is the moment, this is the power plant moment where God calls Moses and says, I'm going to do all this stuff through you. And he, he makes this promise to Moses, he says, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you to, to go to Pharaoh and to do all this stuff. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to empower you to do it. And I, can, I can't help putting a bit of a 21st century view on things when I, when I look at this story. And so I think if it's in my 21st century head, the, the conversation goes something like Moses. God says, there's good news and bad news. The good news is I am going to set my people free. You're going to help me free the Israelites from slavery in Egypt. I'm actually going to do this by sending a whole load of plagues. I'm going to send frogs and locusts and darkness. I'm going to turn the river Nile to blood. There's going to be boils and cattle disease. There's going to be lice and flies and hail and fire. It's going to be so dramatic. And then I'm going to send the angel of death. And then the people of Israel, of Israel will be free. And Moses turns around and says, what's the bad news? And God says, well, Moses, the health and safety of my people is paramount. I'm going to need you to write a risk assessment for all of these plagues. So I don't want anyone getting hurt. And I also want you to write an, an environmental impact report from all of these plagues as well. I, I can't get my head out of 21st century admin. You can tell I've been writing uh, COVID risk assessments and all that sort of thing. But actually, what we know how this pans out, don't we? We know, we know that God uses Moses mightily to lead Israel to freedom from Egyptian slavery. He parts, he sees the Red Sea part. And then later, of course, Moses receives the law and God's commandments to his people. He leads them on this messy, long journey to the promised land. A journey that is just constantly filled with the evidence of God's power and blessing on his life. So we know the Moses story pretty well. But we maybe, as I say, don't often think of him as spirit-filled. But he was. 
Moses in a time before God had poured out his spirit on all believers was a man uniquely chosen by God to be empowered by his spirit to do incredible things for a specific time. And if you want a proof text for the Holy Spirit's involvement, you could turn to Numbers 11. Numbers 11. There's a point where Moses is struggling with the weight of leading Israel. They've been set free. They're wandering the desert and God has provided them daily food, this manna, this kind of wafery, uh, seedy substance that they eat and and that provides them with everything they need. But they are dissatisfied. They're unhappy. They're asking and grumbling and saying, we want meat. And I know how that feels. I gave up meat for a year once and I wanted meat. You know, I, I totally get where they're coming from in that. But they're tired of all this wafery stuff that they get in this manna and they're complaining and grumbling. And Moses is like, oh, this is ridiculous, guys. You've come out of slavery and you're moaning and he's downcast and he's at the point of giving up and he cries out to God for help. He says, God, this is too much for me. And God responds graciously. And in the response, we see the proof that the Holy Spirit is on Moses because God says this in Numbers 11, verse 17. Moses, I will take some of the spirit that is on you and I will put it on them. And and what he's saying is the 70, he tells Moses to get 70 men 70 elders, as it were, to help him. He's going to give him these people. He says, I'm going, to take, I want you, I'm going to take some of the spirits on you. I'm going to put it on these guys and they're going to help you so that you may not have to bear it by yourself alone. And then later on, verse 25, it says, the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to Moses and he took some of the spirit that was on him and he put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not continue to do it. The spirit was on Moses. The spirit was tangibly on Moses. God had power planted into Moses and he even was unable to put some of that power on other people. And this wasn't a norm in the Old Testament, but Moses was uniquely selected for this. Now, as Holy Spirit-filled Christians in the 21st century, God isn't necessarily going to use us in the way he used Moses. Moses is, of course, a spiritual giant. He's a Bible hero who did unbelievable things through through God which will echo into eternity but we also mustn't look at Moses and think well that's got nothing to do with me because and this is hard to get our heads around somewhere sometimes but God's sovereign will is to and his plan is to equip us and empower us to bring his kingdom here on earth And he doesn't need to involve us at all. He could do it all by himself. And yet he's chosen to do it, to bring his kingdom here on earth by placing his spirit in us. And Jesus gives this commission, go and make disciples of all nations. And the Holy Spirit is what makes that possible. Bit by bit, person by person, God is empowering his people through his Holy Spirit power plant to accomplish his plans. And as I say, that Pentecost moment, is the, the power plan operation kicking into gear. God pouring out his Holy Spirit into all believers, just as Jesus promised he would. And as Christians like Moses, we are given this privilege of God planting his power in us. And so the question is, what do we do with it? How do we respond? What can we learn from Moses' response? That's where we're going to look at Moses in Exodus 3 this morning. Because I think this is an amazing passage. It's the famous passage where God appears to Moses in this burning bush. And God calls this ordinary guy with a murderous history to do incredible things for him. And I think there's two things I really want to focus in 
on, on to two kind of responses that Moses has, which I think we can really draw from this morning. And the first thing I think we can draw from Moses is this. It's good posture. Good posture. Let's just turn to your Bibles. Let's read uh, Moses, uh, Exodus 3. And we're going to read, start off with verses 1 to 6. It says this. Now, Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And then he said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look at God. As I said, the first thing I want us to grasp here is good posture. Do you know our posture is super important? If you speak to any of the physios who are part of Freedom Church Liverpool, they'll tell you posture is important. Amanda, who's a physio, she's constantly just looking, looking at people and spotting their posture. And she'll often just come up and tell you, but your posture's terrible, by the way, because your posture is really important. It, it, it can affect all sorts of things about your body and your health. Postures are important. And it's the same with the Holy Spirit. Our posture towards the Holy Spirit will affect how effectively we harness God's power plant in us. You see, God grabs Moses' attention with this burning bush. But Moses' response in verse four shows his posture because he says the words, here I am, here I am. In Hebrew, it's this phrase, he nay ni, he nay ni. Everyone say he nay ni. You're gonna try and remember this this morning. He nay ni. He nay ni. Say it at home. He nay ni. This is the same phrase that we actually see repeated at several moments in the Old Testament. In fact, in Genesis, we've already had it several times before Moses says it here. So when God calls Abraham and, he's, and, he, and he grabs Abraham's attention in Genesis 22, he says, Abraham, and, God, and Abraham says, he nay ni, here I am. And that's the moment where God asks Abraham to go and sacrifice his son, Aaron. And at the moment, a few verses later, when Aaron's about to sacrifice his son, God says again, Abraham. And Abraham says, he, nay, nee, here I am. And when Jacob is having a terrible time with, with Laban, he's stuck on Laban's um, uh, dwelling and, and he's been mistreated. And in the middle of the night, there's a dream with an angel and the angel calls Jacob's name. And Jacob says, he, nay, nee, here I am. And later on, when God tells Jacob as an old man to go to Egypt, when he calls his name, Jacob says, he, nay, ni, here I am. In each case, we see God calling someone's name and before he's actually told them what they're going to do, their response to their name being called is, he, nay, ni, here I am. This isn't a geographical statement. This isn't God saying, someone's name and then say, I'm over here, God. I'm over here. Here I am. No, it's not a geographical statement. God knows where they are. He's already found them. This is a postural statement. He's saying, here I am, Lord. I'm ready. I am listening. I am aware that you're speaking and I am attentive. 
I'm ready to act. I'm ready to do what you're about to ask me to do, whatever it is. Chris CB last week so helpfully gave us this picture, didn't he, of, of sails on a boat. That if we want to catch the wind, our sails need to be up in order to, to go where the wind is blowing. It's like that with the Holy Spirit. And this phrase, he, nay, ni, is like spiritually putting our sails up, saying, here I am, Lord. I'm open. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Speak and I will go. Blow and take me where you want to take me. Use me how you want to use me. And I want to say, if we want to see God's power plant really take effect in our lives, this posture, here I am, he, nay, nay, is so important. I believe God's got big adventures, big things he wants us to do. He's ready. He's ready to speak to us and ask us to do things. And our posture of here I am, use me, send me, is so important. And I th- Moses does that brilliantly. But the second thing I want to look at from Moses' response, actually is a bit more negative. You see something in Moses. What happens next is that God, having said, having got his attention and Moses said, here I am, God then tells him exactly what he wants him to do. And whilst his posture is one of readiness, actually when he finds out what the task is, he's petrified. He's horrified. He's scared. Phil Moore says Moses responds with five different excuses for not trusting God and going back to Egypt. And we see this through, through the rest of Exodus 3 and into Exodus 4. So in verse 11 of Exodus 3, Moses basically says that he's too weak. He's too weak for what God's asked him to do. He says, uh, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children out of Egypt? In verse 13, he effectively says, I'm too ignorant. I don't know enough. Because he says, God, in verse 13, God, if they ask me who, who sent me, if they ask me who you are, what do I say? I don't know. I don't know who you are. I don't know what to say. I'm too ignorant to be able to carry this plan out. In, verse, in chapter 4, verse 1, he effectively says that I'm too unconvincing. No one will believe me. He says, uh, behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, the Lord didn't appear to you. It's like they'll say, oh, we don't believe you, Moses. You're saying the gods appear to you? No, we're not having that. We don't trust you. Most saying, God, they're not going to believe me. In verse 10 of chapter 4, he basically says, God, I'm too tongue-tied. I can't speak. I can't say what you want me to say. He says, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent. Either in the past or since you've spoken your word, I'm slow of speech and tongue. I can't do what you're asking me to do. And in verse 13 of chapter 4, he basically says, I'm too ordinary. He says, Lord, please just send someone else. Send someone out. This isn't me. I can't do this. Now, on the one hand, I can totally see where Moses is coming from. Because who hasn't felt this way sometimes? When we're asked to do something outside of our comfort zone, we can feel inadequate and incapable and scared and nervous. But Moses hadn't appreciated something really important. That everything God had asked him to do was to be completely enabled and empowered by God. God has never intended Moses or us to come up with the answers, the solutions, the words, the miracles to do what he asked us to do. Moses wasn't going to defeat Pharaoh by his own power. He was simply to be a vessel for his spirit. God planting his power into him was, to, was going to plant his power in him to enable him to do everything he said. So while Moses' posture was one of willing readiness, His immediate response to hearing God's plan showed that he didn't fully grasp and understand the power and authority that God was planting in him. So to truly be able to move in the spirit, to move in God's power plant, 
as well as good posture, we need to have good understanding. As well as here I am, we need to know who I am, who we are. Because Moses felt he was a nobody, battling with the greatest leader on the planet at the time. And compared to him, but compared to this pharaoh of Egypt, he probably did feel pretty puny. He was just an escaped murderer with no great qualities or credentials. But he didn't understand at first the true weight of the power behind him, what the law was capable of. And to be fair to him, he didn't have the rest of scripture to refer to. He didn't know Jesus at this time. He didn't know what God was going to do in the future. He didn't. But we do. We have the full weight of history and God. God's revelation and relationship with us. We have the gospel. We know the lengths that God has gone to to redeem his people. We know that even though we are sinners, people who reject God, he has a rescue plan for us. We know that even though it was our sin that separated us from him, that he sent his son Jesus to die for us, to take our punishment on the cross, to beat death and to raise to life on the third day. We know what happens next. We know Jesus promised his Holy Spirit to us and that he would go to his father, he would send his spirit, his power and presence to us to dwell in our hearts. And knowing that means that we can never say, I am nobody like Moses says if we do that we've massively misunderstood because how can anyone who is designed in the image of God who is loved by God who is died for by God who has his God's presence Holy Spirit presence planted into their heart how can anybody who all that has happened to happen to say I'm just a nobody Freedom Church, it is time to understand who we really are. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. We are carriers of the very presence of God. We are bearers of his incredible gifts. We are human beings teeming with spiritual fruit. And we have a purpose to bring the kingdom of God here on earth, to tell the world that Jesus is Lord, to bring his power and his presence to bear right here, right now in Liverpool and beyond. And the sooner we get this, the sooner we understand, then the sooner we will see God use us to bring his kingdom all around us because God doesn't look at us and see a nobody. He sees a cherished possession filled with his spirit and made to be a light to those who are in darkness. So what do we get from Moses? We get good posture, here I am. And we need to learn good understanding who I am and who is in me. So how do we live this out? Because we know ultimately that Moses pushed past his fears and he carried out God's amazing plan and he didn't always get it right, but he did learn to follow up his posture, here I am, with action who I am, who God has made me. And he went from feeling unable to even speak to Pharaoh to seeing the Red Sea split in two and leading a people to freedom. Now, as I say, very few of us will do those kind of things. And yet, if we adopt the posture, here I am, and we understand who we are, then I do believe we will see amazing things happen. I mean, I mean what if we even just saw a thousandth of what Moses saw? What if we saw that in Liverpool? The kind of miracles, the kind of God power on display. Because the fact is this, and hear this, the same power that enabled Moses to see 
and do all that he saw and did is in us. The same power, the same power. It's the same spirit. It is in us. He is in us. Jesus says you will receive power. He even said you will do even greater things than me because the same power is in us. Now, I'm on a journey with this. I can be a bit of a Moses sometimes in that my posture can be open, but sometimes my understanding isn't good. And sometimes my posture is closed, but my understanding is better. And I don't often marry the two. I make all sorts of reasons why God can't use me. And sometimes I'm just switched off when I shouldn't be. But a couple of times recently, there's just been really clear examples where the two have come together, where I've remembered my posture and I've remembered who God is and he's done something. I'll just give you one now. Someone, uh, someone rang me up recently and they actually rang up the, Ch- the Freedom Church phone number and they were just ringing to make a donation to Baby Basics. And in the course of the conversation, they realized that actually there's a church, it's a church, it's Freedom Church that runs Baby Basics. And this person said, oh, I think I've heard of Freedom Church. Uh, someone invited me there a year ago and I never came, but I've heard of it. And then this person just proceeded to just pour their heart out, actually. They'd been having a horrendous time. They'd lost several members of their family to COVID. They'd seen people just dying all around them. And they just started pouring their heart out, pouring their heart out. And, and they were saying that they'd been brought up with a Catholic faith. They'd been to church growing up, but they just kind of lost sight of God. They couldn't see him. They, they just felt they couldn't feel him. They, couldn't, they just lost the ability to praise and know his presence. They were just lost. They're just pouring their heart out to me on the phone. And I'm, that's me going on too long. Uh, and I'm listening to this. And straight away, I go into knowledge head. I go into good theology, good apologetics. I'm going to tell this person everything I know about dealing with pain and suffering. I'm going to tell them about how God's good. I'm going to tell them lots of biblical truth that I know in my head. And it's going to fix them. And everything I said just came back with a, yeah, but, yeah, but. And it, nothing landed, nothing landed at all. And as the conversation went on, I'm like, I'm just sinking faster. I've got nothing. And then I just felt God say, well, I felt myself say, God, I need you here because I'm sinking. I've got nothing for this this person. I've got nothing at all. And I just started to pray in my head as I was speaking. Just help me, Lord. (laughs) Holy Spirit, just guide me here because I'm I'm, I'm messing this up. I need you to give give me something. Give me some words to say that will help this person. And I felt God just say, just, just offer to pray. Offer to pray. So I did. I said, I said look, I'm, I know this is weird. You've rung me up about baby basics, but can I just pray with you? And they were like, yeah, I'd love that. So I prayed. And at the end of the prayer, this person who all through the conversation had basically said, God's let me down. God's abandoned me. God's this, God's that. Suddenly said, do you know, isn't it weird that I rang up about baby basics today? And yet actually you're a church and it's the very church that my friend invited me to a year ago. That's weird, isn't it? That's, that's a bit of a coincidence. And she's, and then they said, and it's weird. Like when you were praying for me, then I just, I felt something like, it's like, I realized, yeah, God, God is there. Actually, he is there. (laughs) And I was just like, Oh, thank you, Lord. I was like, I I don't believe in coincidences. (laughs) I think there's a reason you rang today. I think there's a reason we had this conversation today. But look, everything I had, everything I had up here was useless. Everything. It was only when I said to the Spirit, I need you. Will you help me? 
it just cracked this whole conversation open. And this this person ended up, um, so I was able to pray with them. They've ended up having more conversations with people as well. And God did something. But only when my posture was, God, I can't, but you can. Will you help me? And I believe that's what he wants to be the norm for us. I really do. It's an unremarkable example to some extent. It was just a phone call. And it's a tiny tip of a humongous iceberg of what God wants to do. But I believe it's the sort of thing that God wants to make part of our everyday life. And that as simple little things like this happen more and more every day, we will get the confidence and the faith for the bigger stuff. As we tune in more and more, as we adopt a Holy Spirit-ready posture, we will see more amazing stuff happen. We'll see more healing we will see more prophecies and words of knowledge springing up. We will have words of knowledge for people in the street, just like Jesus and his disciples did. We will see people's hearts open up before God. We need to get this, guys. If we're going to go through life, we're supposed to go through life knowing that the power of God is present within us and that by his Holy Spirit, in any given moment, he may just want us to listen to him to step out and to do something remarkable for him and his kingdom and his glory. And the question is this morning, are you tuned in? Are you ready? How is your posture? When you're at the school gate or you're in the pub or you're at the cafe or you're at the shops or you're with your family and friends who don't know Jesus, is your posture not today, Lord? Not right now. Or is it, here I am, Lord. What do you want me to do? And when you're in that moment, are you like me when I was on that phone, just trying to come up with all the answers myself, trying to do it all by my own head knowledge, trying to do it all by my training and the study that I've done? Or are you asking God, God, I know you're in me. I know you have the power and the presence to change something in this situation. Lord, help me get out of the way and do what you want to do here. Will you use me in your power, not mine? I believe there's a moment for us here to take hold of I believe there's something he wants us to respond to I believe there's a, a habit and a practice he wants us to adopt Dave Holden our apostle talks about when he wakes up every morning the first thing he says is good morning Holy Spirit just an awareness that he's Holy Spirit is a person and he's with us and he wants to commune with us every single day and he wants to take us on adventures together how do you feel about that are you ready? What's your posture? 